Geek Top 5, Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this week we are burdened with glorious purpose. Uh, as the past week, we saw the, the final episode for season one of Marvel's Loki, uh, streaming on Disney+. Plus. Um, I'll drop a little spoiler immediately for the content further in the episode. Definitely my favorite of the Marvel streaming shows so far. Um, definitely, spoiler alert, there's, there's going to be a lot of them in this one. Even, I think, as much uh, like just saying that there's going to be a season two is kind of a spoiler. Yeah, there's look. It used to be the the, the the what do you call it? The tagline of this show. Spoiler alert: We're past that at this point. Um, look, this was a great show. If you haven't yet watched Marvel's Loki on Disney Plus, go and do that before listening to this episode. Okay, I think they're gone. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it takes care of them. Yeah, for the rest of us. Okay, so this uh, shorter show. Uh, only came to about six episodes, but there is a lot to talk about, a lot to try and decipher what things mean. Uh, so it's not the kind of thing that Graham and I would be able to handle on our own. Uh, Graham, would you like to introduce to the audience uh, our variants joining us in the in the virtual <laughs> studio today? Our returning champions. We have Sonali, who is a nurse extraordinaire, one of our famous frontline workers of the pandemic and uh, a hero to one and all. Welcome back to the show, Sonali. Thank you. Thank you very much, Graham. Glad to be back. And we also have uh, another, uh, you know, last but certainly not least, another returning Marvelite, uh, Mr. Jonathan Cashmore. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Welcome Welcome back, back. both of you. (laughs) Good to have you guys here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Before we jump into it, is there a chance we need to quickly summarize who is Loki in the MCU? I mean, uh, he's he's been there quite a bit. He's his brother. His his he's uh, the he, Norse uh, god of mischief. Yeah, they raised his brothers. He's the Norse god of mischief. He's always in Thor's shadow and desperately wants to take the throne of Asgard from his father Odin. And now he's got his own show. Yeah. Uh, And all right, well, then let's uh, here before we hit episode by episode, let's do general impressions. Um, I guess who who wants to start on this? We'll start at cash and work our way back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am. I've loved this show like from right from the beginning. It was wacky. Um, I liked the whole like it was almost analogy kind of technology for something so futuristic. Um, just a really cool concept of how they just brought everything together. I, it was just a great show. Kept you in the... Uh, I can't even think what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just kept you like right into it. Like, you, you couldn't look away because there was so much going on per episode. And uh, a lot to cover. Yeah, I, I loved it too. I, I, I will get into it episode by episode, but I think it's probably so far my favorite of the uh, Marvel series. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know what? I think I may be an outlier on this because my overall impression of it was very good. Um, I think it's probably second on my list as my favorite so far um, in the MCU like TV shows. Um, but it's also 
it kind of built down as opposed to up. Like I found it like maybe started at a peak and then just kind of wound itself around. I guess I hadn't really thought about it overall yet, but there's a lot of like feelings and sensations I got from it that was uh, uncomfortable, but also familiar. And I could probably get into it more later. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uncomfortable yet familiar. Maybe that explains the the central relationship of the series. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely going to get into that more. <laughs> That's a sure. good parallel, yeah. <laughs> and that brings it back to me, I guess. As I said, I, I, I think this is the best of the Marvel shows so far. Um, I do sort of agree with Sonali in that I thought it was stronger at the start than it was at the end. Um I am a little unsatisfied with the ending, but the, I mean, I think that was deliberate because they also, again, tiny little spoiler alert, but they ended this one by saying that this wasn't just a one-off like the other Marvel series so far, that Loki is already coming back for a season two. So we'll get more to it when we hit episode six, but it kind of ended on sort of a cliffhanger. And there's things about it that I'm not happy with the way they did it. But part of the reasons why I feel that way is just because of how much I emote for these characters, because I loved this show. I loved the performances. I, I loved what it had to tell and how it grew these characters, even though I do have some quibbles, which we will get to. And um, and as far as the cliffhanger goes, again, we will get into it more later, which is the catchphrase of the show now. Uh, but the it's not just seeding stuff for a season two. This, I think, has left a lot of seeds for the f- future of the MCU. Easily. Over the rest of phase easily. four. Oh, yeah. yeah. It laid out a lot of possibilities and like, like I mean, something that. You, you you're gonna have to really deep dive into or yeah. and then they this have is the equivalent of how at the end of the first avengers movie we saw thanos for the first time yeah perfect yeah. example. that's I'm, what this is i'm almost mad about it because i think i'm way more excited about this next phase than i was even like going towards the avengers i'm kind of a, the funny thing is is the first phase i was more familiar with and like from the beginning and I did learn a lot on the way, but like I know nothing about the this next phase, like uh, as a, as of the characters. And I'm and like you said, Sonali, I'm like intrigued on how this is going to go. I'm really I'm really pumped for this. As the MCU uh, grows and continues, we're definitely going to start getting into some deeper cuts. We're we're past the the top layer of the Marvel comic book cake, and we're starting to get to the weird nougaty center. Should we jump into episode one? Let's Absolutely. do it. Episode one, Glorious Purpose, uh, released on June 9th. Um, well, I guess real quick, we start back during when we see the, our first glimpse of this episode is that clip that we all remember from Endgame, where the Avengers have gone back in time and are changing their own past, and Loki escapes uh, with a Tesseract that contains the Space Stone uh, we find out that what happened to him is that he basically gets arrested by some time cops and we get introduced to the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, which is this cool retro futuristic sort of bureaucracy that uh, enforces a single timeline that makes sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to do. Um, Loki has some character growth because we got to remember, like, this is Avengers Loki. Is it still very much bad guy Loki? He hasn't, like, put aside his differences with Thor yet. 
uh, like all the things leading up to Endgame. But he goes through his own catharsis and learns that the TVA, while they probably normally would have just deleted or reset him or, or pruned him, which apparently all mean different things, something else we need to talk about. Instead of doing all that, they kind of want to recruit him because there's another out-of-time Loki who's basically kicking their ass and they want his help to stop him. Yeah, uh, we're also introduced to Mobius, who's kind of like the, our our hero Loki's caseworker in the TVA and is uh, shepherding him through his entry into the TVA. Yeah, And maybe that's where we want to start, because Owen Wilson as Mobius is phenomenal in a show that is so strong. He's one of the strongest parts, and that shone immediately from the first trailer for the show of just like as this not dopey, but kind of just like every man office worker kind of guy that he portrays. He's great. And his chemistry with Hiddleston is amazing. I love how he treats him like a just a spoiled teenager this entire time. Yeah, uh, it's it's not it's like the acting that uh, Owen Wilson has to do is not he's not going to Shakespearean heights here. This is not a new side of Owen Wilson. He's very much relying on his his charm. But man, what a lot of charm. And and like you said, amazing chemistry with Hiddleston and their relationship is, is a lot of fun to watch. But that's part of the contrast, right? Like Hiddleston, like even with Thor, like we saw that there was that Shakespearean speech and that Shakespearean sense from the world, like in Asgard that they were in. So to have Owen Wilson as this everyday man kind of then interact with Hiddleston as Avengers Hiddleston, where he's still sort of that high and mighty kind of person that he was. Um, before Ragnarok, for instance, um, it just makes their interactions that much more interesting and fun to kind of to view and to to be part of. He's almost like he's annoyed all the time. It's just because he's like, yeah. Loki thinks he's like above everybody at this point. And Mobius is like, I've dealt with literally countless amounts of you. <laughs> like he's just he's not he's not phased whatsoever I, there's I, like almost a little disdain to it yeah yeah <laughs> but only a little right like that not phased yeah. is the key like he's not even so like other characters like like the way thanos would treat loki for instance is he out shakespeareans him right like he gets he gets bigger mobius just doesn't want any part of this performance like he doesn't care that he's a god he doesn't care about the magic he just he just doesn't, he just doesn't want to play this game yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah that's cute. <laughs> yeah, the the disdain, like, like he's not belittling Loki, but he's just like, like, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know this whole shtick. Okay, fine, I'm gonna go get a salad. Like, <laughs> get it out of your system. Get it out of your system, and I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> yet yeah, really early, there's that line. Loki says something in his you know, his bombastic style and Mobius' response is like, ah, oh, metaphor guy. Like, I love that. It makes you sound super smart. <laughs> and he's generally offended too. He's like, I, I am smart. <laughs> Mobius is, I know. And uh, it's like, he's not belittling Loki, but he's also clearly communicating like, there's nothing you have or can do that impresses me. I'm just doing a job. I, I am the unimpressed guy at the DMV who has seen it all, and you're going to sit and wait, right? And he and his performance of that, 
it's it's well like it's a great contrast for the characters but also the two actors doing it are like that's like i feel like that is the strongest part of this show and to have that happen in like the first episode like the depth of introspection that they have between the two of them um just going over like loki's life and and looking at who he is and trying to like the way mobius is trying to drag it out of loki that you're not that much cooler than you think you are it's it's a a feat i think just in terms of um learning um and understanding a person and who they are well i think one of the the interesting things about their relationship and one of the things that i struggled with throughout the whole show is loki is the god of mischief and he's he's a deceiver that's his whole thing is tricking people he's the trickster and so Anytime there was an interaction like this and people wore emotions on their face, I was like, is that real? Or is he just doing that for the benefit of other people? And we're just seeing it. What's really going on? And it was like I was having that internal monologue throughout the whole series. And I still don't know, especially since it's continuing into a season two, who was playing who at any given moment. Yeah, and that's, I mean, maybe it's a little early to get into this. But in a way, that was something the show sort of disappointed me with. Is that? I mean, certainly, like we could, it, it, we could see a sort of a another layer to it in season two. But Loki is like the like the established in episode one. Loki is extremely passive, and he remains passive throughout all six episodes of the show. And I thought that it was kind of strange to watch Loki being the person that things were happening to. Rather than the other way around, like I kept waiting for the like, haha, here was my plan all along. But instead, Loki's character seems like again, we don't know who's telling the truth, but it seems like Loki's character has actually grown away from that towards something else. Which, I mean, like my, my heart beats for the poor guy. Like I thought that was well done, but it just it felt weird that Loki didn't have a plan and a plan and a plan. You know. But when we when we because uh, we did gloss over a little bit, like there's a lot that happened within that within that stuff. Like he, when you let him cool down, uh, he, if you remember, he was watching the reel of his life, and even the past, uh, the the events that didn't happen to him because he he left and became that nexus event. So, I mean, that might have been another key to why he was being so passive like it, it might have been an eye-opener he's like because he was very if you notice he's very accepting of of the information being given to him even though he thought it was ridiculous and kind of fought it a little bit but he looked he yeah one- when he when he sees that video or whatever you call it like he's not like nobody's there for him to perform for. Like that's just him alone, and that's genuine grief on his face. Yeah, like he's he watched his, his mother die, and he's like, and he's and I mean, it's his fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, just, it, it just didn't clue in until that moment. I was like, holy crap! <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he was oblivious to the fact that he may have been the reason his mother, adoptive mo- mother, is dead. Yeah. And then, and then you also like when he also looked at it throughout the episode, he saw his own death, which frightened the hell out of him because it was off of uh, um, Thanos. But he also the last memory that it showed was um, Thor actually grieving for him. So he felt yeah, that hits him too. You know what I mean? So like, there's a lot of 
that's a lot to take in in one day. It's a lot of pathos, yeah. And combine that with the the you know having it rubbed in his face, how much like how much power is here? Like that they you know Casey tells him like they like they got the infinity like they have so many infinity stones, and sometimes right. they're used for paperweights, but mostly they just sit in a drawer. Can we just give Casey a little bit of a uh, spotlight there? He is hilarious. Like, I'm, obviously, he's a character that just meant to be abused, but in the greatest of ways. I love, <laughs> I love Casey. <laughs> he's always whining in the background. Uh, if you look, is uh, when you first see him, he has like two pens, and as that episode goes on, they're just slowly leaking in his. Uh, pocket protector (laughs) (laughs) i didn't notice that oh my god i didn't see that oh my god it's just like casey's awesome i love him yeah that's that's you that's eugene cordero um who's one of those people that you'd recognize if you saw him um most of the people listening to our show or trekkies would recognize him as the voice of rutherford on lower decks the the illustration to me about Casey too is like even someone like him in the TVA is sort of more elevated than Loki has been his entire life. Uh, like John, you mentioned like uh, he's watching the reel of his move uh, his life, the the uh, movie of his life, and he he's basically been told that his life has been a means to other people finding their ends, yeah, um, finding their purpose, and for for. I, I think for Loki, like for a first episode in a series, for him to do that kind of self um, review, like to to learn to learn that about himself, and then basically go from what he did from Thor to Ragnarok, like basically have that sort of realization that he isn't, you know, what he he's not happy with who he is or what he does in that short a period of time, like I can't imagine the kind of shock you have to deal with when you have to do something like that. Yeah. Kudos to him for like, you know, keeping kind of a game face throughout that time because there was a lot going on for him. He, I mean, you got to remember after, before all of this TVA stuff, he literally just got his ass whooped by, excuse my language, by, uh, yeah, by the Avengers. The Avengers. Yeah. He right. had everything. He had two Infinity Stones on him. He had a whole army from space, and he still got beat by Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Literally just happened, like, a, not even a day prior. So there's a lot that happened there. That's, yeah, that's... rough couple of days. It's fair. <laughs> yeah, and it, like, it literally says to um, Mobius, right? Like, I do this because it's a projection of, of my fears uh, to make myself the weak person seem stronger, to the eyes of others and like to come to the the thought that, you know, I I'm just there to help other people reach their best potential. Like that kind of like, what does that do to somebody? But and again, how do you like, I was move like, onto it? how do you trust that coming from Loki? Well, I, you but don't. I feel like there was a, <laughs> there was truth to everything. Like that's the best I, line. I, when I it has a, some of the truth sprinkled into it. Yeah, like I, like I, but I expected there to be like, okay, what's the end game here? What is he playing at? But I think by the end of the series, like by the time I, we we saw what what had happened, I mean, we'll talk about it. But it does seem like it, it does seem like it's genuine. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's the message we're like that's the message the show is conveying. And I think thematically, like it starts us on the journey of what a glorious purpose is like that comes up over and over again. And again, certainly it's been a theme for Loki um, throughout 
sort of the the uh, Avengers journey as well as like with Thor, what is his purpose? He's always wanted to search that and seek that and and become it. Um, but he's just getting a sense like he doesn't really have a s- purpose for himself. So how does that change for him? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we gotta we gotta move on to the next episode. But is there just any like any other quick things folks just wanted to toss in? Uh, we have to talk a bit about the set design, the costuming, everything about the production design is is gorgeous and uh, beautifully retro to like, uh, I guess, a 70s or 80s style and, and uh, so well done and consistent throughout. It's like done in this weird otherworldly way, but it still felt retro and uh, really like that. And I also want to talk a little bit about the D.B. Cooper thing. There's a whole segment oh, yeah. where you see where you see Loki <laughs> disguised as famous plane jacker uh, D.B. Cooper. And he, and he is D.B. Cooper and he escapes the money and they say it was just for a bet. And they make a whole meal out of that scene. And it, it was, I think it like, when you saw moments from that in the teaser trailer, it's at the internet on fire. And there's a couple of things like that where ultimately this D.B. Cooper thing, I don't think it... You know, maybe I need to rewatch it, but I don't think it served any greater purpose in the series, but it made for a hell of a teaser trailer and it really kept people guessing as to what the series was going to be. So maybe it was there just to throw people off the scent. It, it definitely seems like you could cut it from the show and not lose anything. So it's weird that they went to all the effort, like like a whole separate set, all different costumes, a whole different like... It was a lot of money to spend just for a, yeah. like if it was just for teaser material, right? Unless it's something that's going to be important later in the next season. So it's hard to tell with a show like this. Yeah. Maybe they'll just give a season of just lost bets of Loki and his antics. Or just Loki as D.B. Cooper. I could watch a series <laughs> like that. <laughs> People would watch it. Uh, we okay. also didn't mention the timekeepers at all. There was a whole explanation in the timekeepers for this episode and who they were. Was that in this one? Yeah, yeah. That was he watches because Miss Minutes, uh, Tara Strong, gives right. him the like the the cartoon. Like here's how like here's what the TVA how's how it works. And the origin stories. Yeah, the three timekeepers showed up and unified all the timelines into the one sacred timeline. And the timekeepers are real in the comic books, I think. But Loki, Lo- Loki, Loki is very dubious. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to episode two. I, 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 yeah, Miss Minutes is cool, and the fact that Tara Strong gets a, a, her name as prominently dispa- displayed in the credits as anyone else is is a nice touch. But yeah, let's move on to episode two. So Loki is is part of the team now. He he's in a in a TVA outfit, and he gets a whole jacket that says Variant on the back, and he's convinced them that he's going to help them find uh, find this Loki variant that they're looking for. Uh, so they go to a Renaissance fair in 1985, which I thought was a nice touch. It's like these guys can travel anywhere in time and, and the scene opens up and it's, this looks like the 1700s and then it comes up 1985 and it's all just a pretend fair. And it's Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 Uh, he he tries to trick them into doing, uh, he tries to trick them into making 
giving him more power than than he already has and they don't really fall for it he he fails in that attempt uh the the variant gets away we learn more about Ravona Renslayer who's uh, Mobius's boss uh loki spends all this time researching in the library that looks like the toronto central library i I couldn't stop thinking that whenever they had a scene set there yeah it does doesn't it (laughs) Hmm. loki uh surmises when just as people are getting tired of him and 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 thinking he's more trouble than he's worth he realizes that the one place that uh, a loki or a variant could hide without being discovered by the TVA because they can't create a branching timeline there is in world ending events or reality ending events. And so they they go to Pompeii to prove this and uh, they, then they end up at a different one. They figure out where after he proves that that works, they go to a hurricane in 2050 Alabama at this, uh, this mall or like giant big box store that's going to be destroyed. And they go hunting there for, for this Loki variant who has enchanted various people. And at the very end, it's revealed that this Loki is a lady and she teleports away and Loki follows her and Mobius feels betrayed because Loki left uh, Mobius holding the bag. Did I do it? Did I cover it all? You covered it. You covered it. You covered a lot. (laughs) I mean, there's still like, it's crazy. Like, as you were saying that I was, I was, thinking to myself like this is a long explanation and it's covering maybe 10 percent of what actually (laughs) happens it's crazy how much they stuff into an episode so much happens here yeah it's weird to think that they reveal you know who we at this point only knew as lady loki in this part because it felt like it was already so late in the show it's strange to think about it as episode two really that's so true yeah so much going in into that um I honestly felt like this was one of the weaker episodes, especially coming off the first episode, where he does have this sort of forced growth. It seemed he almost regressed in this episode a little bit. He became more like sort of the conniving Loki we know. Ah, but see, but that goes back to the, it's like, how much of what happened in the first episode was real, and how much is him putting on a face, and like, what's his, what's his game, right? It's still sort of up in the air. Yeah, he's still, he's still pretty fresh and still thinks he's smarter than everybody, so he might be just trying to, like, well, it shows that when he meets Lady Loki, um, he tries to make a deal to, like, work together, maybe, and she's just not having it. So, he probably was still trying to overthrow and, and become powerful and stuff like that. But he, he knows he needs help now because this is a big task. But he's not very like clear about it. Like he's not very sure that that's what he wants to do because he, he kind of hesitates. And he, I feel like he almost felt more of a kinship with Mobius. Like when he, when he dawned sort of the agent uh, of TVA um, outfit, like, I, I definitely felt a sense like he was trying to acclimatize to another deception that he had to do. But when he comes across sort of the the variant, um, he's also trying to suss out whether this is a threat to him or not. So he's willing to play sort of a more open game and, and a back and forth as to whether he's going to get the upper hand or if he's going to be able to convince this other Loki character to um, join forces with him. 
But at the same time, he's so like like Mobius has already figured out here's how I can needle him, but like they're trying to figure like which is the superior Loki, right? And even in the climactic conversation at the at, at the rocks on Walmart, like he keeps like you can join me, like I'm the one who has a great plan. Like he's still living with the well, I am a you know, I am a god, ah, and everyone around him is so dismissive of that, even this other Loki. Yeah, he tries to. He even tries to flex himself. Like I, I call it flexing, but like yeah, like he even tries to flex his like. He tries to you know educate everybody about his power, and then he he uses his power when he walks into the mall to dry himself off when nobody else, is, everybody else is wet. Like he just he's always trying to be that like little bit of superior, and he succeeds. He succeeds. I think. <laughs> I think honestly, throughout this entire uh, show, he. Um, going off of Sonali, but he he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's thrown into this crazy new world that he's just trying to acclimatize and still be his old self. But he's also fighting himself because he's realizing he doesn't really want to keep doing what he's doing. But yeah, it's all fighting he really, every step of the way. Absolutely. Yeah he, yeah, he doesn't know how to be anything else. So he's always trying to go back to his old self, but he he wants to grow. He wants to do better. I think that's what was going through. Like, that's what I got from him. And there was a lot of parallel, I think, in terms of their discussions with him and Mobius, with uh, him and um, Lady Loki, where they're talking about sort of this order versus chaos thing. Uh, a lot of what the TVA is trying to do is maintain order in the timeline that they, that the, um, they're trying to protect um, whereas there would be chaos if it wasn't so and he's all about chaos and I think he's trying to kind of figure out like this lady Loki like what her a game is because if she's more like him and and um, actually just looking to rule too like that that's one of his big things to, to be taking over and taking on then for sure that they could like he could take care of this and then become the the main kahuna again if he could and I feel like at this point, you're as a, a, a you know typical watcher, you've seen his bond with Mobius grow over the last two episodes. And when there's this conversation between the two Lokis about we could work together, we could rule, you're, I, I found myself being like, is he telling the truth to her or is he just saying that to to like lull her into a false sense of security so that he can you know, bring her back to Owen Wilson, like we all want him to do. And, and there was, you know, I think there was a real back and forth there. And then when he, he escapes at the end through the door that she created my viewing of it, I felt like he, he, I felt like he had to go after her, but you could see like regret on his face, knowing that Mobius would see it as a betrayal. That's how I read it anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I did read too. The same. Yeah, agreed. Their their friendship is hard to deny, but it's also like he's a Loki, and like they go into this later, like he betrays everyone who trusts him. Like that's just what he's used to. Like, it's that he like, he hasn't found a way to break out of that mold yet. And God, the friendship that develops between the two of them, like but like testing the apocalypse theory and racing through the files and just like like all the little looks and all the little like when he puts the coat on. And Loki sort of gives him a, huh? How do I look? And Owen Wilson was like, yeah, no, it's good. It's smart. Looks, looks, looks good on you. Like, you buy into that buddy cop so fast. 
but he's Loki. He doesn't have buddies. Like it's, and, and I guess that goes back to what we were saying earlier about just not like, being not able to tell exactly what's on his mind. What's the game? And maybe he doesn't even know. Yeah, I, I think he was he was being as adaptable as he can be for uh, for this. Because I mean, realistically, he's never seen anything like this in his life, and he's trying to figure out his new goal <laughs> while all of it's happening to him. Yeah, he's taking it as the biggest challenge he's actually come across because he says, um, is this the greatest power in the universe? Like it actually floors him when he realizes how useless like the Infinity Stones are as paperweights lying on everyone's desk. Like I I wonder if initially like with this episode, the the reason like he's kind of trying to be his old Loki self is because he's overwhelmed by the fact that this might be the biggest thing he's ever come across. And is he thinking about trying to uh, find a way to control it himself or overthrow it and, and, you know, become the ultimate sort of ruler. It's a big juicy steak for him. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Other fun things in this episode. Um, I mean, lots of fun, like the hiding in the apocalypses and him doing the bit with the salad. It was a riot. Um, the, the line, I, you know, I, I'd never stab anyone in the back. It's Loki. Like I've, I've, I've literally watched you stab people in the back like 50 times. Well, I'd that never do it really, again. That's a really decent Owen Wilson you just did, by the way. That was a really decent Owen yeah. Wilson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I am deeply flattered by that. <laughs> Um, other like also some fun. I I realized I watched this on a second watching that the, Mobius makes special mention of Renslayer's pen. He's talking yeah. about her trophies and the pen that we find out later comes from the high school. He says, well, "I don't recognize this one. What's this?" And she sort of brushes it off. Which and it's so that means that she is aware of has more of an awareness of what's going on with the TVA than anyone else, right? It seems like it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It it would have to because if she's keeping it, it's because it's important to her and it's her. So so she must know. At this point, we don't know that yet. No, no, no. It's just a pen. (laughs) Well, but it's... It foreshadows this little, oh like, yeah, this absolutely. little break in there. Like Mobius and her are best friends, of course, but he's kind of curious, you know. He's just he's he's asking her questions and she's not answering them. Like it's it's totally friendly at this point, but it's setting that up. It's foreshadowing that so early. You don't think about it the first time you watch it, but it stays in your mind that Mobius is is curious, and that's, think- it's 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 a cool thing. And I think their friendship was one of the more intriguing points to me in this episode, because like you said, there's that hint of like, there's, there's some, you know, inequality between how their friendship is. She's the boss. She, right. She is the boss, but it's, it's not just that. Like there's, there's that hint of like, she knows more than she's letting on, or is she just kind of trying to be professional with him? Um, like we get a sense, like they talk about how they've been doing this for eons, right? Like, do they, they, they mean that literally, right? Like they are, um, the protectors of the timeline. They've, they're outside of time. They've been doing this together, you know, whatever rank, um, that breaks them apart. And I also see this with, um, um, oh dear Lord, is it Hunter? 
Oh, Hunter. B15 is the... So I'm talking about uh, Mobius and B15 sort of relationship where they have sort of the barbs back and forth between them. She doesn't trust his Loki. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, And eventually in the end, they sort of kind of come together and find that purpose together. So... Um, just kind of having um, that friendship contrasted with Ravona and um, her power dynamic with him. Um, she, there's always, I felt there was always something a little bit off about Ravona, but I don't think I put it together as, as you guys just described. Like that, that was uh, truly an epiphany. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Mob- Mobius is sort of everyday, every man thing. It just, just like just just doesn't quite settle right uh, next to her. Like the way those two, like the chemistry between those two characters, does that really well. Um, we should. Oh God, look at how much time we've spent. We're only in episode two. <laughs> we do have to move on. I guess also some folks would just want to point out that the Rocks Cart is the name of the store. That's kind of a Roxon reference, which is sort of an Easter egg. It's just like evil company in the Marvel verse. Yeah, there it's I think a very 90s reference for for Marvel, it clearly a play on Exxon and Exxon mobile mobile stuff when they were spilling oil all over the country, they 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 rocks on suddenly appeared in the comic books. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to episode 3, Lamentis. So Loki pursues Lady Loki. Uh, it turns out she has, so she stole all those reset charges. Her whole plan is basically she's lured everyone away from the TVA because she's going after the timekeepers. Um, but Loki chases her and upsets her plans and takes the, the tempad, the time travel device she's been using and accidentally strands them in an apocalypse on this alien planet that a, like, like they're on the moon and the planet is about to crash into it. And some hijinks ensue. They like sneak onto a train. They're trying to find the way off of this planet. Um, but a lot of this is getting to know Lady Loki, who calls herself Sylvie. Um, and we we learn that she is dismissive of Loki. She, in the same way Loki thinks he's better than everyone, she thinks she's better than everyone and better than him. Um, and that she is cagey about her past. She gets Loki talking a lot about his past and she doesn't tell him much in return. Um, the, they've decided they're going to try to get off this planet by getting onto a spaceship that's supposed to escape. Uh, it ends with this insane three minute long action sequence that I think might have a hidden cut in it, but otherwise it's just one long shot. It's just this really impressive technical achievement that really highlights the chaos of the moment. Um, they don't make it before the ship is destroyed and they're stranded on this planet to die. Um, which is the quick summary of this episode, but let's jump into it because really what happens in this episode is Loki and Sylvie getting to know each other. And that's wild for a lot of reasons. So I think this was probably the weakest episode as far as what? propelling it's the, the best episode of the six. What are you talking about? I disagree. It oh felt like God. a, a, you know, mid season doctor who episode to me. How <laughs> like, dare you? cheap sets all on uh you know it was all on beautiful <laughs> it was it was fine and it was uh, like look don't get me wrong i i'm not i i like doctor who and this just felt like a very standard doctor who episode but you got that character development stuff you, which you was are great. out of line sir <laughs> oh usually 
I got to lean with Sonali on this one. The I, I was not paying. I, I, I mean, I sort of accept the bright colors and the goofy costumes and stuff because that's what Cosmic Marvel looks like. Like, it's right, Guardians. That's what space looks like in Marvel. Everyone wears weird helmets and lots of colors. But every line of dialogue in this, out of Loki and Sylvie's mouths to each other, is caked in deception and hidden meanings and falsehoods and watching the game between the two of them i is was fascinating to me they were great with that back and forth absolutely great always fighting always trying to figure out what the other person's trying to do and sylvie just kind of just dismissed like you said dismissed him um as a a good opponent To me, it just it kind of ground to a halt. It was like I I was enjoying the TVA stuff. I was enjoying the stuff with Owen Wilson, and this is a, a it's not a bottle episode, but it, it it's almost entirely just the two of them on a separate planet. And I was like, this is fine, but I was interested in in Loki and Mobius and and more. I did miss Mobius. I did miss Mobius. I would have liked them to do some cross cutting for sure. I, I well they um. Because Loki and Sylvie had a conversation that really made him connect with Mobius. Like, obviously, Mobius wasn't there, but it made you feel like what you're going to see him soon. Just because when Sylvie told Loki that all the TVA are variants. And Loki's like, well, nobody knows that. And he, like, you can tell, like, he was concerned for Mobius at that point because this whole manhunt thing, like everything is just like he started, he's, he's caring for him. He, he cares for me. He doesn't want that lie to be over him because he's being controlled and manipulated. So I liked that from going back towards Mobius, but I didn't think he really needed to be in the, I, I liked him, but I didn't think he needed to be in that scene. It was a really good Sylvie Loki scene uh, uh, mm. episode. You know what I mean? That's, that's perfectly valid. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Ah, oh, God. And the, I mean, there's a lot of important dialogue here that foreshadows the rest of the, the show. There's, there's the conversation about what makes a Loki a Loki. Like, is it the treachery? Is it the mischief? There's the conversation where, like, where Loki's yelling at her, like, your whole plan is to tear the place down and create the ultimate power vacuum, uh, which has consequences. And he can, and he ends that with, I'd never have done that. And she turns on him and says, yeah, well, I'm not you which is an important line of dialogue for later in the show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, There is Sylvie is really cagey about her family, which I thought might be a signal at the time. I thought that might be a signal that maybe she wasn't a Loki. Um, She gets Loki to tell her about his family and she's dodges the questions. Um, it it looks like that's not the case, but again, I'm just leaving that little bit of room. I mean, comic book fans know that that Marvel, when they were writing this character, they got the name Sylvie from Marvel's version of the Enchantress, who arguably is Loki's daughter. She's well, one of the Enchantresses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was another one that was actually named Sylvie that she just uh, Lady Lady Loki gave her her powers, which is the same powers, and then she becomes one of the young Avengers, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, like, who sees herself as created by Lady Loki. So it's 
I mean, I feel like that. I mean, we don't we don't need to. I feel like that's mostly disproved because he who remains would know if she was Deloki, and that would have come up. But at the time, it it sort of left some it left some interesting room, and I'm still sort of thinking about it. If that mm. makes sense, makes sense. Definitely in the back of the mind, because I mean, the other shows uh, showed a lot of young Avengers as well. Like they had the grounds for them too. So who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm still offended by Graham right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, like, right at the start of this episode, they clearly differentiated Sylvie as a much more capable Loki than anyone we have seen. Like, even the variations they were displaying, and um, and it was also like the the episode is a classic trial by adversity for the two characters yes they may be lying to each other through their teeth but there's also something else like a chemical reaction like something slowly happening that just gets out of control very quickly they have a discussion about like what makes a loki a loki and they talk about love which is something that i think Tom Hiddleston's Loki has never really contemplated until this point, which is a really big, important thing, I think, in his growth as a character, because he's made fun of Thor for um, finding Jane Foster and, and like taunted him with the fact that he would not be able to see her um, in the Thor movies if, if he destroyed the bridge. So for him to actually be contemplating that, I thought that was a very powerful moment for for his character in terms of the what john said uh, that you know he realizes that everyone's a variant of the tva like his first instinct i think as original loki would have been to think about how he could have used that but he seemed genuinely um disturbed by that and and you know he he was you could see him kind of working it out like what does that mean for mobius who in a very short period of time, I think he started to actually think is a genuine friend. He's almost getting a sense, like he wants Mobius to trust him and he wants to become this person who is capable of being trusted. Um, And like you guys said, like it's to have that happen in two episodes of the series, like the entire time, like it, it felt like this journey was so much longer than what we were going through in terms of actual real time. What is, what is time at the TVA though? And that's a good question, actually. <laughs> like, I because I is the TVA outside of time? Because it looks like maybe not at the end of the show. Um, but we'll have to get back to that too. But no, those are all good points. That's I like. I think three of us agree that the character development and the dialogue in this episode was was worth it, even if it's taking it out of you know the fun of the TVA of the last two. Anyway, uh, it, yeah, it's. I'm happy to to move on because uh, episode four gets into more, you know, getting back to the the main story. Yeah. And uh, just a quick note. Episode three is the one where he sings. That was great. There was Uh, also. um, But we do. Yeah, we do got to go. Yeah, I I know. I know. This actually leads up into other episodes. So we should mention that Sylvie shows how she uses her power and what her powers are. And oh, that does happen in this one, doesn't it? Yeah, and she kind of explains it to Loki, and she tries to like let him take her, like let her take him over. But 
obviously he's not going to fall for that. But I just, I just wanted to mention that like she does mention or she does show how she uses her powers, especially with uh, C20 when she captures C20 from the previous episode, how she has to go into the mind, you know, retrieve a memory from um, like an actual memory. And that's how she figured out that they're all variants is uh, she had to go like hundreds of years to get a memory from before the TVA kind of thing. So she was explaining that to Loki and that was a uh, self-taught power that Loki seemed to be impressed by, which was pretty neat. Yeah. And yeah. And going into memories and stuff is that's, that's important too. Good point. All right, Graham, give us uh, episode four of the Nexus event. So uh, yeah, episode four. So episode three ended with uh, uh, the world being destroyed, lament is being destroyed and um, the Loki and Sylvie, having a, a romantic moment that which created oh, an ex- that's that's the start of episode four yeah well okay yeah episode three the- ends when the ship is destroyed the, okay the so they're sitting and chatting and then they they're they're learning more about each other she's telling uh him how she was taken as a child uh, i think by a, a young ravona renslayer and uh, uh how she broke free and has been on the run ever since um and and they they have this romantic moment that causes a nexus event and allows them to be discovered. It's an extra special nex- nexus event that even uh, a world-ending event can't deny. And uh, they get captured and brought into back to the TVA. Mobius is very disappointed in Loki and puts him through this time loop where he keeps getting slapped by Lady Sif in a, a nice reference to actual Norse mythology. Uh, eventually they repair their relationship a little bit mobius and and loki especially after mobius finds that ren ravona renslayer is not as forthcoming or honest as she seems like she she, it turned, she says that c20 this person that uh and the enchantress that sylvie had had stolen away she was like oh she was broken and, and she died from from what uh loki had done to her but really she had just realized she was a variant and, and th- that sort of information would be poison to the tva so she's eliminated and and off the table uh at the end of the episode um renslayer is taking the lokis up to see the uh the timekeepers mobius gets pruned and so he's he's uh, essentially killed and then before the, this was a surprise to me how how quickly they did this they they showed that the timekeepers were just robots that they weren't real i i thought that i i didn't think the timekeepers would end up being a big deal because they'd kept them so secret but to show them before even the end of the episode that they weren't real that was a surprise and then loki himself gets pruned that was a surprise too it's like where is this gonna end and we find in the mid credit scene that he wasn't that pruning doesn't actually kill you. Yeah. And does anyone else feel like the studio forced them to put that mid credit scene in there? Cause it's the only one for the whole show. Um, so it stands out and it doesn't really add anything. It just reassures the audience that no, we didn't just kill off Tom Hiddleston. I, I feel like some, I don't know if it was Fihe, but it was somebody said, no, 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 I get it. This is a great cliffhanger, but you can't do this. We can't have seven, like seven days of people wondering if we just killed Loki. Oh, yeah, no, that was definitely meant for people like me of the female persuasion, because oh. I could literally, <laughs> way, but... like, I could definitely, I felt that moment when they pruned him. I was, I was devastated. 
devastating I, I, because he was just coming to the crux of what's been happening to him. I I have to say, Graham, I don't know if I counted their final moments on Lamentus before they were um, discovered by the TVA due to the Nexus event they created as romantic from that point as much as it was a connection being forged of unknown sort of feelings still. Well, from my perspective, considering where it ends up. And I will say, I find the romance between them as it, as it progresses in the next couple of episodes forced, but I can't tell if that's, if that's intentional or not, if it's like, if the actors don't have chemistry or if it's intentionally supposed to be like, this is a kind of a one-sided deal. No, it was the ambiguity. It was the ambiguity for me, right? Like it was that, I don't know if I like what I'm seeing. I don't know how I feel about this, but it's definitely making me feel like, Oh my God, where is this going to go? Um, yeah, I, di- I didn't get that sense of, like, love right away. And I think that makes it even more important because the- they started talking about Loki's loneliness and how alone he is and how he isn't meant to be with anyone or, or any group of people. Like, it- he doesn't have a belonging. So I th- because of that contrast, I felt those moments more. Yeah, I think you're both right there. I think that moment wasn't entirely romantic and it's because the love isn't there yet i think but what we see is loki is desperate to be loved um and sylvie is not entirely on board with it and that's what comes out at the at the end of the show is that even though it seems like loki is like loki has grown and he's ready to open himself up to all this and like but she's not into that at all like there's hints of it. She's thinking about it and it scares her a little, but no, I think that's very deliberate. She's not into him the way he is into her. Yeah. And I kind of think that continues through the, the, the last uh, remaining episode. So, so I'm glad I'm not the only one who, who sees yeah. it that way. Uh, what else happened in this episode? Cash, you got any thoughts on this one? Um, I did want to point out those little, those little reset bombs. They, are they magic or do you think they're uh, a technology based because any technology sufficiently advanced will appear as magic i know but, <laughs> yeah. no, but, but that like that is a thor thing like he tells natalie portman that like yeah at some level there's no difference between magic and technology like once the technology gets good enough just because it does glow that like purplish whatever glow and i i, I mean i might be stretching it here but the when you go back to Doctor Strange when he was fighting Dormammu and he was doing what uh Wong said uh dark magic and reversing time that kind of came off of the same color and so we, and we've already established that there's different colors for the different magic magics and dark color is kind of like a purplish color yeah, okay. uh, Ag- yeah. Agatha, Agatha Harkins is another example um so I was just curious on like where that's like I, I those bombs must be something in the magic realm as well to be able to literally delete a timeline <laughs> about that brings in another thing though is that what they're doing because the the TVA's like they use the word pruning and reset and delete 
And it seems like they might mean different things. You know, like like resetting the time, like resetting the timeline when they set one of those charges off doesn't seem to prune things. Um, in yeah, in the in the next episode, it kind of well, I mean, a huge friggin' boat got pr- either pruned or reset, and a whole group, a uh, whole navy crew just got gets you know. Yeah, that's which is again sort of a it's kind of a DB Cooper thing. Um, well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to that. That's yeah. the, to the Eldridge in episode five. But yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm speculating that there's more to this magic and technology than we we know because some things aren't clear. We also we also know about C C fifteen. Uh, she helps now uh, Sylvie when she because she uh, when she was right. Yeah, B fifteen turns well, B-15, on the sorry. on the TVA and yeah, yeah and because she was uh, questioning like, releases her. them in the well. Let's talk about the post credit scene and who we got to see because see both yes. Loki, Kid Loki, this- and classic Loki. That was that was like my the highlight of the series so far up to to that point for me. I, I you know Richard E. Grant is a fantastic actor and I love when he shows up in in anything. But to see him in a comic accurate Loki costume, like classic nineteen sixties Loki costume, was beautiful. And I'm literally looking at it, it on my screen. He owned it too. Oh my God. yes. Looks so fun. I I I laughed out loud when I saw that just because you obviously they knew that like it's it's ridiculous but fun and and it was obviously on purpose and also a tip of the hat. But like God, I did not expect that whatsoever. I thought that was the funniest thing. That was, that was a great moment. Everything about it, yeah. And, and to be fair, he definitely overshadowed the other characters we see there. Like I didn't even notice Gator Loki. The first yeah. time because of that outfit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it. It's he also overshadows because he's like the only actor who has uh, a name uh, of any significance, and uh, he's also the only one who's a direct, like, real reference to the comic book. So well, there's a lot also, going on there. Like also because he's wearing bright yellow. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that too draws the eye. <laughs> <laughs> That's secondary, obviously, to yeah. Richard E. Grant. <laughs> I, I honestly, I didn't like the one shot. I didn't pay attention to who he was. I, I just saw the outfit <laughs> and cackled. Uh, anyway, we should probably just segue right into episode five, then, huh? Yes. Yeah. Journey into mystery. Um, so we find out getting pruned doesn't just destroy you, um, as Loki experiences it and Sylvie interrogates Judge Renslayer. We find out that, uh, no, 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 what it does is it moves unwanted stuff off the timeline to a void at the end of time, where it's basically a dumping ground for all the kind of junk that they don't want to have on the sacred timeline. Um, Eliath, a giant cloud that is also a monster, kind of, who is also a character from the comics, sort of. Uh, is that here at the void just eating all the stuff that gets sent there? So is he's like the part junkyard dog, part incinerator, I guess. Part guard dog. Uh, yeah. Um, Sylvie ends up pruning herself to get to the void to help Loki. They reunite with Mobius. Um, there are shenanigans with tons of other Lokis who have been pruned and ended up there over the years. And our Loki, I think the highlight of that encounter is that our Loki is embarrassed at how Loki they are. <laughs> yeah. 
just you know he's covering like he's face palming and looking away and just can't stand it. He's just like a uh, bad train they, wreck. Yeah, yeah. Well, he says like, like like he's already having trouble with the four, like with classic Loki and Gator Loki, and he storms off only to find President Loki and all the others. And his reaction is, "This is a nightmare." <laughs> like, and that's but, a very uh, important point. I'm going to come back to that. We will. Um, but they uh, they figure that that Eliath must be the key to all this um, because whoever like, is really behind the TVA must be past the void. And Eliath must be what's stopping things from getting further. So there's a very dramatic moment. Classic Loki sacrifices himself to make a distraction. Loki and Sylvie working together enchant Eliath and are able to proceed through it uh, into episode six. So before we get there, episode five, um, part of the fun of having a dumping ground for all kinds of things that you don't want in your timeline is there Easter eggs everywhere. Everywhere. Easter eggs across. We see the Thanos chopper from that Spider-Man comic where Thanos had a helicopter with his own name on it, which is a riot. We saw Frog Thor um, very briefly, apparently actually voiced by Chris Hemsworth, which I think, Graham, you were saying earlier that he must have had a bigger role initially and they cut it down. Or you something. have to why imagine. Else you, yeah. Why, yeah. Why else would they bring in Chris Hemsworth to do like one second of efforts? I mean, uh, I guess in a pandemic or whatever, he just he could considering all he did was like croak angrily. Maybe maybe he just did it over Zoom or something. But yeah, maybe no, there, I, I, I was reading there was more to it. I, I'm sorry. I don't know the source, um, but they, they there was more, but they were only able to do that much in for yeah. the show. OK, fair. Uh, what else we got? We got um that that naval ship you were talking about, Cash. That's the that's the USS Eldridge. That's the ship from the Philadelphia experiment, oh, which is yeah. another one of those like urban legend sort of things. Yeah, um, uh, they had the uh, Dark Aster. They had the one of the Shield helicarriers. Um, oh, cool! Okay, they had, catch that one. Uh, they had Stark's Tower, but it was renamed uh, Kang. For his technology, so when I think Kang's original name was Nathaniel Richards, which I think is like a descendant of Fantastic Four Reed, Reed Richards. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to circle back to Kang. Yeah, <laughs> Just... but like he his his building was there anyway, right? Um, um, Mobius is driving a it says Skinny's Pizza on the side of it, but it's a blue car with a pizza slice on a slinky on the top, which is very reminiscent of the Pizza Planet car from the Toy Story movies. That's what I thought too. I wasn't sure, but thank you for confirming that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's yeah, also lots of Easter eggs everywhere. Um, lots more very on the nose Loki development too. You know, classic Loki, especially like he says to, basically to the camera that you know, as, as Loki's, they they lie and cheat and they never they can never change and we're broken, all of us, and we keep making the same. And then of course Mobius in another conversation is like, yeah, it's never too late to change. And the camera lingers on classic Loki as he's considering this. A lot of like, this is what makes a Loki a Loki. This is what's wrong with being a Loki, and this is how it can change. One of the of things, one of the great things about that, uh, that whole thing is, is classic Loki 
says that his nexus event it, it sort of it wasn't this moment but he is so good at deception he convinces thanos that he's killed loki but really he's just like hiding there as a rock and and his and then he went into hiding for years and years and years and and no one knew he was still alive that's how good at deception he is so when he is killed by elioth at the end of the episode you have to wonder is this just another deception it's, it's, I mean, I mean, he yeah, did create like, yeah. Asgard. Like he literally created a, a replica of Asgard, which is straight from the comics too. I'm gonna say no because he found his glorious purpose. Finally, he was yeah, able but to he's a do Loki. something. You can't right. trust it. But that's the whole point of it. It's like they are definitely each of them wants to find that trust. What makes Sylvie one of the best Lokis, probably the best of them all, is that A, she has the confidence in herself and B, she doesn't bullshit. She has a very clear line of sight and she goes for what she wants to go for. She doesn't let anything else uh, and no complicated web of lies or deception get into the way of that, no matter who it's from, including herself. I'm I'm with Sonali on the classic Loki part, not so much on the Sylvie part. Um, I do see that Sylvie has flaws. I think she still has a long way to go. Uh, but yeah, I do see that like classic Loki, it's sort of a redemption arc. And you yes. know, if you could have a character introduction and redemption arc in 40 minutes. <laughs> I mean, what you're saying is not impossible, but I'm saying that I think that the message is that he finally be like sacrificing himself to try and like for other Lokis to be better, I think is what was supposed to be conveyed there. And I, and I do buy that happening. Yes, but as a comic book fan, I I have seen all this. Like I'm I'm all too familiar with the idea of of a later writer finding a way to undermine that point to resurrect a beloved character, and I'm just looking for any reason to hope that classic Loki will will return. He said he would if it if it never happened. Sure, he likes a paycheck as much as the next guy. <laughs> wow, you are jaded. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess there's also, it fe- honestly, it felt a little redundant to me, but we have another Loki Sylvie conversation with, like, where they're trying to figure out. Essentially, they like they tell each other basically that like I don't know how to have friends, but maybe I could be friends with you. But is, that's is a progress- quick version. That's of that. a progression for them. They have gone from literally probably not telling each other the truth at all to having a genuine, almost honest conversation about, hey, look, I don't know how to do this. I am hoping I can. Um, and then daring to hope that the other person would be willing to maybe step up or, or, or to at least be there for that part, um, which is actually what um, Loki ends up doing for Sylvie. Um, and you can see that in in sort of her her face like you can see the gratitude and like the relief that that happened when it did um for my part like i just want to go back to the line where um loki's nightmare is himself he is his own worst enemy so try for him trying to break that shell and uh, and sorry trying to trying to bring down his walls and break out of that um is part of his journey throughout the the episodes so far he's also finding himself i think much more than he thought he would 
um, and, and the purpose that each of them has, they all have a different purpose and nobody's ever really been able to find that because part of that is like their deception and also makes them not purposefully, but um, they can be sort of cowardly, whereas Sylvie seems to be the most different in that. And I agree with you, Jess. Like, I think that while it is a strength of hers, it, it is also her weakness, because uh, in the end, I think that um, kind of brings her down as well uh, in the decision she ends up making. Um, but yeah, like it, they, they show like in Loki and her working together, two Lokis are stronger than just the one Loki as well. Um, but how yeah. long did that last? They also believed in themselves uh, for like that brief moment, trusted each other. Like if when they watch classically Loki do this epic uh, portrayal of power, um, he's like, maybe we're stronger than we we think we are. Like he he's starting to believe in himself. And he like there was a moment where he let go, grabbed her hand and they both had the power to, you know, take over Elias. Which was a really cool moment. I like that moment. It was a really good, um, like you were saying, Sonali, like the, the the developmental from between the two of them. Yeah, and they genuinely like they were also in awe of his ability. Whereas I think if it had been sort of Avengers Loki, he would have been like, "What is this? This is another like variation of myself that I need to be better than, or or show that I'm better than." But there was some mutual like respect and like understanding of that it's like wow yes this loki has sort of shown that he has his own potential and i I think right at the start like um in episode two when they're going on a hunt for uh the variant that's doing all the the killing which ended up being sylvie they show that you know there are all these variations of loki that may be physically different have different abilities but none of them actually have that sort of connection that these folks kind of ended up making together in the void and that's helped serve them much better um i don't know what ends up happening to kid loki sort of after this episode but i feel like he also kind of grew and he's alone now obviously because if we accept that classic loki is dead like it's just him and gator loki now but without um, his flaming sword yeah, like he he gave that sword to Loki to to protect. Like he realized that this is something that you know this sword may have a better purpose in his hands than than Kid Loki's hands. And everyone had that sort of shifting, changing moment. So you know how different are they really in that case? All right. Well, then I mean that's I mean that is the important stuff that happens in that episode. It's worth noting, like the the Loki melee is a lot of fun. They have like that goofy version of the theme song and all that, but we got episode six next and there's a lot to talk about there. So let's jump right to it, I think. So this one was called For All Time Always, and uh, this is a slightly easier one to recap because a lot of it is just one long conversation between um, Loki, Sylvie, and He Who Remains. That's the only name we get for this character who they meet when they pass through the thing in the void to get to the castle where where all this is being controlled from. He Who Remains has been in charge of the TVA from behind the scenes. It was always him and not the timekeepers and he uh, over the course of the show. And uh, he's been the one keeping everything straight. He's the one who set them up to to stop all these other timelines from happening. And he's kind of gotten tired of the job and offers it to them. You can either 
kill me and we'll see what happens or you can take over and control the timeline if you kill me uh there may be variants of me that come that are going to be way worse than i am and cause a lot of chaos and loki and sylvie have different ideas of what should happen they she wants to kill him loki thinks they should take charge of the the tva a fight ensues Sylvie sort of tricks him and sends him back to the TVA and she's left behind and kills, kills the, he who remains. Meanwhile, B-15 go, uh, leads everyone uh, uh, in the TVA on a merry chase and uh, reveals to at least one of the other TVA guys that Ravona uh, exists as a high school teacher in somewhere in the States. And uh, so, so the Ravona that they know is a uh, variant, which means that they're all variants. So she's she's letting them know that um, that at the very end of the episode, Loki runs into Mobius, and Mobius has no idea who he is. And the statues of the Timekeeper that have been in the Toronto Central Library for the whole time have been replaced by a big statue of He Who Remains, except dressed slightly differently, perhaps more like. Kang the Conqueror. Uh, yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. wearing King the Conqueror's outfit. Like yes. that's yeah, like and the neck thing and the... is wearing Amortis's outfit. He's he's Amortis, who is another version of Kang, an older version of Kang in the comics. Yeah. Okay. So we have. Uh, I mean, yes, he's clearly meant to be Immortus, even though they would never use that name in the show. For people who like me, honestly, I haven't read that much Kang. Graham, can you give us the really quick oh version? God. Uh, you knew what's coming. He's he's a time traveling supervillain who just wants to conquer all of time and reality. He comes from the 31st century. Depending on th- this is the thing with a time traveling character and one who is, you know, you're always encountering him at different points in his life. So it's hard to tell what's real, what isn't real, which version of the character you're getting. But in the early days of the Marvel universe, uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby. I, I, I'm honestly not sure at this point if the, it was always the intention to make them one character or if that came later. But in the early days, there was Ramatut, who was a time traveler who took over part of ancient Egypt. There was Kang the Conqueror, who was more of a futuristic guy who wanted to like prove he could conquer time. And then there's Amortis, who's less overtly evil and is more, he's, he's like, He's the late period Kang. He's a guy who is running things from behind the scenes and is more of a gray than a flat out evil. Uh, Beyond that, in more recent time, there was also just to tie it back even further into the Young Avengers. There was when the Young Avengers were first created in the comics, uh, there there were all sort of second generation versions of our favorite heroes. Uh, and one of the characters, one of the biggest mysteries was Iron Lad. Who is Iron Lad behind the mask? Turns out he's the youngest version of Kang we've encountered yet. He knows he's going to turn into this horrible tyrant, and he has gone back in time to become a superhero to try and avoid that uh, inevitability. That's uh, your Cole's note on my, even even my limited understanding of Kang. Yeah, I get, so he's, yeah. So we, all these characters are his variants. Uh, and in the show, it's he's been ruling the timeline, and now that he's dead, he's not, and there's lots of timelines, and going to be lots of Kangs, is the implication. Now, first off, great episode, lots of fun, lots of character stuff. Um, the Loki thing, it, I mean, again, to Graham's point, you don't know if you can always trust a Loki, but it seems like Tom Hiddleston's Loki is being 100% real 
when he says, I've grown as a person, I'm not in it to rule. Like, all I want right now is, he says to Sylvie, all I want is for you to be okay. And again, she gives him the, well, I'm not you, and dumps him. Uh, so that fault, that's what we were talking about earlier, where it seems like, like, yeah, he's desperate for this romance and wants it to happen. She, less so. She's still driven by revenge, and she gets her revenge, and it looks like in the end, she realizes it's not it's not as sweet as she wanted it to be. Like, she looks pretty despondent after she kills him. Um, but, so this really ended on a downbeat. Like, the way this show ends is, like, the... The friendship between Mobius and Loki is annulled, which we have to go back to, because not only does Mobius not remember their friendship, but he doesn't remember any Lokis at all. That's weird. Um, Also, is the TVA outside of time? Because it looks like pretty clear what happened is that Loki is now at an alternate TVA where he never met Mobius. So is is there now multiple TVAs in different branches? Because that's weird. And then there's... So Judge Renslayer has asked Miss Minutes for the files. Like she's trying to find the Citadel at the end of time too. And instead she gets something else and we don't see what it is, but Miss Minutes, the, the clippy of the TVA tells her, evil he thought clippy. Evil, evil clippy tells her he thought this would be more useful. And she reads whatever this file is. And then she has her confrontation with Mobius and she leaves And she tells Mobius she's leaving in search of free will, and she's gone. So we know that uh, just Immortus, he who remains, whatever, has not been entirely honest with both Lokis. He's set something else into motion. We don't know what. And in the timing of the show, it's after Judge Renslayer goes off and into who knows where that the timelines start to branch, Mm. uh, even before they kill he who remains. So there's stuff there. So there's a lot of speculation here, and I think that's all we're left with. I did want to hit one thing first. I'm not clear on this. Why would killing him make his variants appear? I didn't quite get that point. He, I think, from what I was getting at, um, I think he was pruning other timelines just to make sure that there was no timeline other timelines with him he was literally creating this whole thing was literally to control any variants of himself everybody else was just collateral damage because he realized if he allowed the multiverse to expand which it only takes one person to make a decision to have a different you know universe um it's inevitable that his variants will be coming out. And then, Oh, okay. So it's not that he's like suppressed his variants or anything. It's that any branching timeline would have him, a variant of him at the end of it. Right. You're saying that like, as soon as a new branch shows up, that's why it shows up and automatically at the end of it has another Kang or Immortus or whoever. Okay. All right. I think that's why there was that, like that red line when they were looking at it, like, Oh, we're like, we're like level three or whatever the heck it was. When that, when uh, a Nexus event happens, you see a red line going up and that, uh, and then when there's like a limit and when it passes that limit, the multiverse is established. And so they were always, that's for sure. They're always, or maybe it means like, 
Yeah, that's the point when when a Kang when the becomes Kang... inevitable or something. Yeah, and that's why yeah. it has to be stopped before then. Yeah, because you can't. Yeah, because then you have a rival time guy there who can stop you. Yeah, okay, that tracks. I've been thinking about that for like three days, and you just <laughs> okay. That okay, that works for me. Then okay, I get it. All the new timelines are going to have a Kang the Conqueror attached to it. Gotcha. Which is going to be crazy for because we already know it's been. Uh, confirmed for Ant-Man 3 that he's going to be one of the main guys. Long before we knew he was going to be showing up in Loki, which I guess we didn't. Like I certainly didn't know that this was happening, but uh, this actor was announced as playing Kang in uh, Ant-Man 3. And so... As soon as those doors opened and I saw him, I I like got like giddy. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is we're getting a Kang, we're getting an Immortus, and this and that was completely unexpected to me." But now we know that this storyline is going to continue in Ant Man three. We know that Doctor Strange two is called the Multiverse of Madness, so presumably it'll tie into this. And it sounds like Spider Man three, no, was it No Way Home? That's got a bunch of multiverse stuff. Like there's all these rumors about to- uh, Toby Maguire coming back and Andrew Garfield and all these other actors from the previous Spider-Man movies. So lots of reverberations coming out of this, not just for a Loki season two, but this storyline is going to be continuing through all the major events in the rest of the MCU. Yeah, this this is the catalyst for what the Infinity Stones were to the to the last phase. And I like for me it was really striking. The actor for Kang uh, is Jonathan Majors. He, from my research, is generally like hasn't done anything major, big mainstream, um, and that's actually changed a lot of actors' lives and in, in sort of the MCU universe, where you know Chris uh, Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston were both relative unknowns when they started. So his portrayal of like that version of Kang, the he who remains version uh, was, I, I think a real highlight for me to. Yeah. He had this weird, like, I don't want to say bond villain, but the way like an evil tech guy, like, you know, like, like rich and put together and confident, but also clearly unhinged. Well, mm-hmm. he's been alone for eternity. Mm-hmm. and he's kind of a weirdo and they and they do that like they have him eating the apple all the time they go like you know the apple of eden and the temptation of of knowledge like you know it, 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 it's pretty not abrahamic subtle. not subtle no uh, it's it's there they and they even had an adam and eve and an eve who takes the apple metaphorically so it's 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 on the nose they're clearly saying yeah like, this guy is the devil <laughs> I have to say I've had some, like, my uh, observations of Loki, like, when they first come up to the door to the Citadel, like, Loki's almost subservient to Sylvie. Like, she says she needs a moment, so he just kind of stands quietly and lets her have her moment. Um, That's a major change for his character. Yeah, well, he's never had a crush before, you know? This is what you do in the early days of courtship. No, it's... Oh, my God. That that is the worst relationship advice I've ever freaking heard. I'm not saying it's relationship advice. I'm saying it's relationship fact. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) No, I do think that's valid. Like, Loki is infatuated with her at that point. That's what it is. 
like whether that it's going to be true an- love or whatever but like at, you know at the end he tells her like i don't want a throne what i want is you i mean he phrases it like, like i want you to be okay because he can't be that open yet but he's obsessed with her at that point it may be because there's the the true love there who knows but at least because he thinks or at least what we see of him is he thinks that he has finally found someone that he can trust and who trusts him in return someone who is Uh, worthy yeah and then he doesn't get that trust back and after she shoves him back through the portal to the tva he's sitting there alone in his grief devastated and man does hadleston do a good grief Yes, he, um, he he gets those teary eyes at the drop of a hat, and he's very good yeah. at it. But what, what you're saying about him being subservient, I think that's more just that he's that. Yeah, it, it's it's it sounds like it's infantilizing it, but yeah, he has a huge crush on this girl right now. So of course, he's doing whatever she says. We have books, Loki. Absolutely, <laughs> we haven't talked enough about it, but. It, the fact that he's in love with himself essentially is the best part of all this. Like the only person that Loki could get this obsessed with is himself. Yeah, Mobius throws that right in his face. That's right. not subtle either. <laughs> but we haven't we haven't touched on that enough. I, I don't think. And now we're like so far into this that it's too late. But I just figured we should bring it up. Yeah, important. I mean, that's note. been a thematic run, right? Like he is his own worst nightmare. He's the only one that he can love um they have like him and sylvie have sort of mannerisms that really reflect off each other they're similar they're different but they are always in synergy um at points um and even then like it's like are they still playing games with each with each other like they come to that uh, uh, sort of climactic battle with each other where it's like you're uh, untrusting and i am untrustworthy but that doesn't, you know, he's he's still hopeless if that's the way you guys are interpreting it um, in terms of the, the relationship. I, 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 I'm the only estrogen-laden person here. Like, I have to defend this because <laughs> to say, like, to, to belittle it to that point, like, he has to do what what he needs to do to, like, get her affections. It's, it's so so inaccurate to who (laughs) he was at the start of the season to what he ends up becoming like i well he's grown like if you watch episode six and then watch episode one he's still a tremendous arrogant jackass in episode one and he isn't in six and it doesn't seem like he's playing like it seems like he has gone through some character growth but there's still growing to do on his part like that isn't a mature relationship yet and Sylvie hasn't grown nearly enough. No, and he realizes that. I think that's the strongest thing about it. He's still working his feelings out. He knows what he wants, but he realizes she's not there and he's willing to give her that chance and, and to sort of work together on it. She doesn't because she's blinded by her vengeance. Um, but certainly with, you know, like for for him, like, he, I think he's grown even more than he had through through to Ragnarok and and Avengers. So, um, I that that that's my take. I, I'm gonna have to be offended at <laughs> well, no, you're side right, of though. it. He I ran- think that's just gonna be the way it is. It he did grow what much more than Ragnarok. Um, Thor literally says it. He says, "You never, you never grow." <laughs> 
you just do the same old things over and over again. You become predictable. So, I mean, that's a it's a good catch. Like he definitely does. Like there, there's definitely something there. But I think I'm playing devil's advocate. There's a little bit of both. Like about you know him loving himself too, but he doesn't see her as him. He sees a reflection, but he doesn't. He sees her as her own person, which I see as well. So like, there's a little bit of both, I think. And she definitely sees herself as separate from all the other Lokis. Oh yeah, like, that's oh, yeah. she's one of very her, clear about that. Her yeah. arrogance and some of that—that's her strength as well. Like I think part of her confidence comes from the fact she's like, I'm like none of these guys. Come on. She doesn't even want to be called Loki, so right, yeah. yeah. Like she, she has a distinct, distinct um, personality, even if she is a a variation of, of Loki. So, how did everyone feel about at at the at, so the show's over now? Again, I, I, I mean, I'm really glad there's a season two because I'm not entirely happy with the way it ended. Um, I felt like they could have still created the multiverse and create, you know, created a future for Marvel Phase Four, but they also could have resolved some of the character arcs at the same time. You know, like WandaVision, there's still a lot for Wanda to do, but Wanda got over that part of her life and is moving on. I felt unfulfilled at the end of this, like not because it was bad, because it was so good and left undone that it left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Um, and I'm wondering if anyone else had that same response. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had. A, okay. I had a little. Bit, I I agree with you, Jess. I had a little bit of that. Um, I I felt like where are they going to go next? You know what I mean? Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's happening before Loki season two comes out. So they're not just going to take it up where it left off because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's happened since then. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see Loki and Sylvie appearing in other stuff. Yeah, I think this is... Popping up here and there. I think before Loki Season 2 comes out, you're going to see them in other things beforehand. Maybe the Eternals, maybe, you know, Multiverse of Madness. That makes sense. Wanda's already um, confirmed to be there. So there's still... I mean, yeah, they stopped it off. They set up... I mean, all of MCU pretty much with this. This was, I to me, this was like the Guardians of the Galaxy when that came out. Like, it just tied, a, it just opened everything up and just the floodgates were open and it kind of explained some other things along the way. Um, so if that's all the small bits we can add, I think that's where we have to tie it off for now. Um, love it or hate it, it, that was a hell of a ride. Um, and I think some great, I think even the people who don't like the show can at least agree that there are some great performances. Uh, everyone has a different opinion, uh, which is why we bring other people onto the show as to help give those other perspectives. So Cash, Sanel, thank you so much for joining us. It is always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having us. Um, thank you. Your Marvel, uh, your, your marvelous Marvel insights are, are very welcome. Uh, while we're giving out thanks, also want to thank Oliver Wickham, uh, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, check him out. He's on Spotify. He does a whole bunch of cool stuff that is absolutely worth your listen. 
And of course, also want to thank you. Um, we know that we, we've gotten a lot of feedback for our Marvel deep dives. We know you folks are really into this. And, uh, you know, darn, it just means we have to watch more Marvel shows to talk about them. And uh, this is one of the best things, I think, that we, we, you as the community and we on the show here have been able to collaborate on. So if you had any other Loki thoughts, anything that we missed, anything that was interesting just to sort of turn over, like it's a cool gem you found on the beach, in addition to the usual questions, comments, concerns, etc., all kinds of ways you can get a hold of us. Graham, what's the rundown on those? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. Marvel's Loki is now streaming on Disney Plus. I think it's uh, six episodes. I, I can I can attest personally, you can do them all in a day. Um, but that, in addition to all the other Marvel stuff out there, I mean, What If starts in a couple of weeks. There's lots of stuff on there to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham, and this has been Geek Top Five. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>